It's a 240th episode and we're excited to bring you yet another episode of Meet the CEO. Clive Chaze, CEO of Football 256, talks about the journey of building one of Africa's most visited sports websites and commercialization of the sports industry and who the beneficiaries will be. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business. In Africa, I am Rithadong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Rithadong. Who is Clive Chaze? Uh, Clive Chaze is a sports journalist. Uh, he has been practicing since uh, 2010. Uh, that is 12 years in the field. I've done pretty much everything. My colleagues uh, always tease me that I've worked for every media house in Uganda. Not for every media house in Uganda, but at least I've worked for most of the media houses in Uganda. That's TV, radio, print, online, and all that. What is Football 256? Uh, Football 256, uh, first of all, is a company registered by uh, by the laws of uh, the government of Uganda. But uh, we main we do so many things, but uh, we mainly uh, deal in uh, publication. On we are an online publication that uh, writes exclusively football, uh, majorly Ugandan football, African football, but also uh, glo- globally. But uh, our stronghold is Ugandan football, and we've been doing this uh, since uh, the nineteenth, no, since the eighteenth of November, twenty eighteen. What prompted you to set up Football 256 and what is its objective? Well, I, I think it's a passion for, for the trade, uh, which, which is journalism, but also as an individual together with my colleague, uh, Alan, Alan Darantine, who is always uh, be, behind the scenes. Uh, we, we have a dream of uh, changing the face of uh, journalism in this country, but sports journalists uh, in, in particular, uh, because uh, for the years we've been around uh, this trade, uh, I've not really liked uh, the treatment uh, that uh, sports journalists go through and uh, that is um, because of uh, how we probably we carry ourselves uh, but also how people don't really see the importance of sports journalism uh, i worked for a newspaper uh, where uh, sports uh, had um, the, the the list pages every time uh, a corporate company brought uh, an advert uh, to, to the company that was supposed to run the following day uh, it was sports uh, that uh, space had to be cut to accommodate the, the advert at one time uh, the managing editor told us uh, it wasn't a company that covers sports um, as, a, as a priority, but as a by the way. So such things, uh, in a way, uh, did offend me. But also when you look at a sports journalist, uh, they are the least paid, uh, they are most disrespected in society and stuff like that. So the objective of Football 256 is to probably change that one day. Uh, it, it looks uh, kind of tough at the moment, but I believe one day we will be able to change the tide. What are some of the biggest milestones you have achieved so far? Six months into operation, we got uh, the privilege uh, to be accredited as Football 256 uh, to cover the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, that was uh, in Egypt. Personally, I thought that was a very huge milestone. Uh, we later also got a chance to cover the next Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon 2021. As we speak, we got accreditation uh, to cover that. FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Uh, for me, I don't take that lightly. And uh, I believe those are some of the milestones. But also the fact that we've been able to be here for four years. I mean, uh, we, we celebrated our fourth anniversary just uh, the other day, November 18th. So to be around for four years uh, when in the first year, uh, so many people thought we wouldn't even make it to our fifth birthday. I'm keeping my fingers crossed uh, so that we make it to our fifth birth- birthday so that I can remind uh, those people. But for me, the ability to keep around uh, consistently doing what we've been doing from uh, 2018, November 18th, uh, I believe is uh, such a huge milestone. 
Football 256 also manages talent. Talk to us about that side of the business. Yeah, of course, uh, we do manage uh, players, but not established players. Uh, they come with their own uh, problems and issues. And um, personally, I believe that uh, because we are new in the business, it was always good uh, to start with players who are also just uh, starting their journey. Uh, most of our clients uh, are still students, uh, young footballers, uh, who we help uh, to get scholarships here and there. Uh, if they're with school, we help uh, to get them placements at football clubs and, and all that. And um, it is uh, probably the area of uh, the company that uh, is yet uh, to make money for the company. But I believe one day it will be able to make money for the company because um, covering sport or football in particular, I've realized that uh, most of the biggest challenges that Ugandan athletes or footballers are facing is um, their inability uh, to be able to do things the right way. They didn't have people in their lives that helped them make the right choices in their careers, that told them the things they need to do uh, so that uh, they can be successful in their, their careers and uh, um, to start with people already established was always going to be hard. So the objective was uh, to start with these players when they are still young. You try to shape them in a way that you feel they should be shaped. You try to teach them uh, the values and, and, and fundamentals of professionalism at a young age so that uh, when they start getting the exposure, they can be able to actually realize that what you were telling them was correct and they need to do that if they are to be successful in their careers. And I would say that uh, we are yet uh, to break the ice, but uh, so so far, so good for us. It's World Cup season and talking about talent, we see a large number of African players playing for the European side. What is not being done right on the continent to retain the talent? Because we do so many things uh, the wrong way. Uh, if we are to get to the level probably our colleagues in Europe or elsewhere, uh, we need to start doing things uh, the, the right way. Everyone has a dream of playing at the World Cup. Uh, everyone, every footballer growing up has a dream of playing at the World Cup. Every footballer growing up has a dream of actually winning the World Cup. Now, most of these young African footballers, when they get the opportunity to play for countries like Germany, for countries like Spain, for countries like Italy, uh, England, and all those other countries, their chances of playing at that level and being successful at that level are, are bigger than actually if they were playing for their countries back home here in, in Africa, especially the West Africans. Uh, they probably have so many players. Yes, countries like Ghana, countries like Cameroon, countries like um, Ivory Coast and other countries, Nigeria, they'll always uh, have an opportunity to go out there and um, play at the World Cup. It is their birthright to play the World Cup, to play the Africa Cup of Nations and all that. But on so many occasions, uh, players um, who are actually good and they would fit into these um, teams are declined to play for these teams because of so many things. One of those things is uh, the manner in which they are treated. Um, Africa is Africa. What is happening in Uganda is happening in West Africa. It's happening in Kenya. It's, it's, yeah, Africa is Africa. Whatever is affecting uh, athletes in, in Uganda is affecting athletes in West Africa and all that. And so many players, when they hear such stories, they would rather stay away. I mean, uh, you have an opportunity to represent uh, Nigeria. You have an opportunity to represent uh, England. In England, you're treated like a king. In Nigeria, they want to treat you like a pauper. So why would you want to come and play for Nigeria? And you realize that most of the people who actually decide to return home to play for their countries like Nigeria, Ghana, know that it is after, the, not all of them, but majority of them, it is after that they have been rejected by the European countries that now they will turn and say, okay, let me go and represent uh, my, my African country and all that. But uh, it is uh, the manner in which we treat these people. It is because of the so many wrong things we do that don't attract these players to want to come 
and represent the African countries. Commercialization of sports, is it happening? And if it is, at what pace and to whose benefit? Actually, I don't think the sector is growing. A few people in the sector are benefiting from the sector. And the few people who are benefiting from the sector are the sports administrators. Because the people who are supposed to benefit from the sector the most, even before sports journalists, are the athletes. Now, today, there is a campaign that was launched. Uh, the, the, the Uganda Cranes Cabo, uh, the ambassador of uh, that campaign is uh, Dennis Onyango. And uh, when you look at uh, three or four, five years ago, and you try to check how many Ugandan footballers have been able uh, to get ambassadorial roles or to get endorsement deals of corporate countries, and on a scale of one to 10, it will be one. And that is still Dennis Onyango. Uh, all the others have tried, but uh, they have not been able uh, to do so. So for me, it is, uh, it is, it is the entire sector. It is not all about sports journalists. I believe, uh, the sector has to grow collectively. Uh, the administrators, uh, have to probably uh, go back on the drawing board and uh, try to strategize and plan how can this sector grow. Uh, when the sec, when, when we have a plan how the sector grows, everyone who is part of the sector will grow. Uh, the athletes will grow. The coaches will grow. The sports journalists will grow. And, uh, the entire community will grow. So it is not entirely about journalists. I believe uh, the entire sector has um, failed to grow because just a few individuals, the decision makers, are actually ripping out of it and they are not willing um, to make sure that uh, the cake is big enough uh, for everyone to enjoy it. What changes would you like to see in the industry? Well, we have a bill on the plot of parliament, uh, the, the sports bill uh, that uh, people are trying to turn into law. It has its own issues, but when you look at the bright side of it, it has so many good things. So I would love to see, to have that bill turned into law because once it's turned into law, uh, that means um, that will be the beginning of um, a sport growing in this country at different fronts and, and sectors. Uh, the commercialization of the sport is, is going to grow. Uh, people are going to start uh, probably uh, doing uh, things a little bit better. And once they are doing that, uh, that means that um, the industry is growing. Uh, well, the industry will rather grow. I might not be directly involved uh, in uh, probably having this um, transformation of the bill into lower success, but uh, it's something that I believe personally will be able to change uh, the face of sport in this country. But also as the objective of Football 256, uh, when we were starting out, the idea was we are not going to employ any established journalist. The idea was we are going to get people from out there who has the passion, who have the passion, who have the zeal, and they want to be better. And uh, we'll try our level best to mentor these people, turn them into good sports journalists, and let them move on to better media houses. Uh, after four years, we've only been successful with just one of our colleagues, uh, but uh, we believe that as time goes on, we will be able uh, to open doors uh, for young budding sports journalists out there uh, to move on so that they can create room for others who also want uh, to start their journey. So we want to use Football 256 as an entry point for journalists uh, who want to go out there and, and make a name for themselves. Is there an Africa expansion plan for Football 256? Yes, we would want uh, at some day uh, to probably be the biggest uh, football online publication on the continent. We would love to have um, correspondence uh, in different parts of um, the, the continent, Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Burundi, uh, the West Africa, North Africa. We actually tried it in our first year and, and second year. But uh, like I did say, the challenge of um, the finances and all that wouldn't enable, enable us. I remember we had a writer in Kenya for about a few months, a writer in Rwanda for about a few months, but we could not sustain that because uh, we didn't have the financial muscle uh, to push uh, that. But uh, the dream is uh, to have a uh, football 256 uh, known uh, on the continent, but also uh, globally. 
Where do you see Clive Chaze and Football 256 in the next five years? Uh, Clive Chaze has started a countdown to be out of uh, this industry in the next 10 years. So in the next five years, I'll be five years away from retirement as an active sports journalist. <laughs> in the next five years, Football 256 will be celebrating nine years, one year away from celebrating a decade. And uh, I believe uh, in the next five years, we should be able to at least cover the East African region as the number one leading online uh, football publication in the region. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The South African Reserve Bank raised its benchmark repo rate by another 75 basis points to 7% at its November 2022 meeting, as widely expected. This is the seventh consecutive rate hike since policy normalization started in November of 2021 to anchor inflation expectations more firmly around the midpoint of the target band and achieve the inflation target in 2024. South Africa's inflation rate unexpectedly rose to 7.6% in October from 7.5% in September, staying above the upper limit of the central bank's target range of between 3% and 6% for the sixth straight month. The headline CPI forecast was revised up to 6.7% in 2022 and to 5.4% in 2023, but lowered to 4.5% in 2024. Moreover, core inflation estimates were left unchanged for this year at 4.3%, but revised higher to 5.5% in 2023. Meanwhile, the GDP growth projections were cut to 1.8% in 2022, 1.1% in 2023, and 1.4% in 2024, mainly due to rolling blackouts. The economy of Nigeria advanced by 2.25% from a year ago in the third quarter of 2022, decelerating from the second quarter's 3.54% expansion and missing market estimates of a 2.95% rise. This marks the eighth consecutive quarter of growth, but at the slowest rate since the first quarter of 2021, attributable to the base effects of the recession and the challenging economic conditions that have hampered production activities. The non-oil sector, which has been the key engine of growth since late 2020, expanded at a softer pace of 4.27% in quarter three. Meanwhile, the oil sector shrank by 22.67% after an 11.7% slump in the previous quarter, reflecting lower oil output as the average daily crude oil production stood at 1.2 million barrels per day, down from 1.43 million barrels per day in quarter two, and 1.57 million barrels per day a year ago. Oil production in Nigeria has fallen to historic lows, partly due to the unprecedented theft of its crude production from pipelines and fields in the Niger Delta region. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at With the Dome. Oh,